bathroom that you look like Han Solo? Han Solo specifically? Like, you are wearing a vest yeah. over a white shirt. Yeah. Uh, I never had that experience, but I can see why you would have today, because you do felt, look like Han Solo. It felt really professional when I got dressed in the morning, and then at about 2 p.m., went to the bathroom and was like, huh, that's weird. You're blonde and yeah. striking. You got that whole... And it's a long short sleeve, Well, which... you're just doing a belated Comic-Con thing. Hey, yeah. Thematic. I think the litigants will appreciate that shout-out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's oh, the man. hottest one. Maybe controversial take? I don't know. Is I it think... controversial? I don't know. Probably not. I feel like the People newer really movies like introduced some, some new hotties, but... Well, I honestly did like... Who was the hot guy in that terrible one? Christian, there's Mm-mm. a Christian in it. I don't oh, know. Oh, the prequels? Yeah. Get a rat tail? Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Young me going to the premiere of that. Ooh. I, now, Hayden Christensen never did it for me. I have not looked at him since, so I'd have to check back in to see if it held up. But I think he was the time. too much of a pretty boy for me. Eh? Mm, you know I what I mean? That. Yeah, I like him scruffy. It's like, okay, we'll move on, I swear, in a second. But I think that there is a really consistent divide between people who are more attracted to Robert Redford versus Paul Newman. I'm a Paul Newman girl. Do that what you will. Yeah, I think neither I of think them are I'm a Paul Newman girl too, but aren't they both kind of pretty boys? Or do you I, feel like Paul Newman's more scruffy? I think okay, so there's this there's this phenomenon with young pretty boys where they age to look like old lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul McCartney has this. Paul McCartney definitely has this. Robert mm. Redford has this. Mm. Um, there are other ones that will come up, but there's a convergence. But we have at least two examples, yes. so we know we're on to something. So I think given that chart, he's the prettier of the boys. Anyways, this is Exceedingly Persuasive, and I'm Mackenzie Brennan, and I like Paul Newman more. And I'm Brooke Rogers, and I need to time to think about my opinion on this. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I feel like the modern-day equivalent would be like, uh, mm-hmm. Nope. All men just left my mind. The names of every man on TV. You were going somewhere when you started. I know. I, I was trying to think, like, who is, like, the scruffy... It's, like... Like, what is, rugged? Nuh-uh. Like, what is, like, Timothy... What's his last name? Oliphant. Chalamet. <laughs> Chalamet. He's pretty. You were so close. <laughs> you had at least two syllables right. Two Timothys. Timothy Tim- Chalamet Timothy. versus, like, uh... No, they're all too... Like, uh, you can't compare him to anyone because he's Heath too... Heath Ledger is rugged. Was I don't know if you can compare Timothy Chalamet to Heath Ledger. I feel like those are very two different. Exactly. They're two poles well, no, on like, the same compass. This is a huge age gap. I just feel like you yeah, have to find someone in this generation. Yeah, but it's inherent to the pretty boy that they look like babies. Anyways, there are no shades of gray. It is either pretty just... or rugged. And this is the gendered world that we've painted ourselves into. I do appreciate that Harry Styles does both. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, super into him, even though I've never been into One Direction. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a like huge ooh, fan of Harry Styles specifically. Because yeah. he also does. So he- is my husband. We both like if Harry Styles. If you're listening to this, hey, and you want to visit, you want Brooklyn and get it on with play the drinking game, Devil's Triangle. Hmm? Ew, the drinking game. Yeah, whatever. Don't bring that into this Sorry. pure conversation we're having about threesomes. <laughs> Um, Don't sully it. No, Harry Styles, uh, he has a, a really fun rock voice. His latest, his his only solo album was very, very rock heavy. You and, and then he also talk just, about like, his music. Hey, uh, yeah, anytime. Because I don't delve beyond the the nice suit fabric and his hair. But uh, hmm. anyways, to out. shift drastically, we, As we, uh, do. we have another week of, uh, I'd call it an assorted variety pack of topics. Got some impeachment updates. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Kurds and the, the plight Kurds, yeah. that we have thrust them in to just like in the last 24 hours. Some other week updates. And then we're going to 
spend a lot of our time on this weird hunting law in Maine. And this is my this is my little pet issue because I read about it and it just shocked me a little bit. And Super so bizarre. it's it's gonna be it's not it's it's about law but not politics in a way. Um, yeah. But I would I wanna go over that. So we're gonna get to the main law I'd later. It's socio political. You get into yeah. things like states' rights and prioritizing gun rights over often women. Safety. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not even so. gun rights, just like responsible gun law. I don't you know. know. Yeah. Yeah, and or also state our, our weird attachment to tradition in a way that's oh, yeah. really unhealthy. We do it sometimes. this way because we do it this way. Yeah. So we do have a subject that we want to we want to save for next week so we can do a little bit of a deeper dive and that's the trial and sentencing of Amber Geiger. She is the uh, police officer who broke into her neighbor's apartment and shot him. She walked it was unlocked. She thought it was her apartment per her account yeah. of it. She thought it was like the same apartment on a different floor. She was recently off duty but in uniform as a police officer in Dallas and shot this black man who was sitting on the couch eating ice cream watching TV. And her argument was self-defense. Yeah. So both Jean was her neighbor and he was and he was killed and Just she hanging was out recently at home. sentenced. Yeah. Uh, I think next week we're going to break down what happened and the case and the sentencing a little bit more. But and we the just fact wanted to that a key witness was just shot. Yeah, he was just and nobody killed. has figured that out yet. But he was worried for his safety, and some mm-hmm. people think it may have been in retaliation. And there was an impending so. civil suit in which he was going to be a witness as well. So yeah, we will get to that next week. We wanted yeah, to we'll let you guys that. know that we are not ignoring it. We're just going to save it for next week. Yeah. Another thing that we'd be remiss not to mention is that last week was the anniversary of the cold-blooded murder by the Saudi government of Jamal Khashoggi, Mm. who was... U.S. resident, journalist, Washington Post. I don't even know if you could describe him as a dissident. He had started kind of criticizing MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, in very reasonable, very measured and spelled out ways. And that just, I guess, was too much. And I was thinking about this today because... Today, South Park was actually banned from China, and yes. all references were scrubbed from uh, Chinese social media sites and and things like that because they did a an episode that was critical of the Chinese government and American companies and individuals who kowtow to who kind of hold their nose yeah. for the human rights abuses. Who are, so, as you all probably know, there is a huge conflict going on in Hong Kong right now because protesters are kind of trying to fight for democracy in. A, a very fragile democracy in Hong Kong. And and in a place that is part of China, it, it's a tricky thing, and we're going to deep dive on this also yeah, at some point. This will have its own episode yeah, soon. Yeah, but um, a co-worker of mine is from Hong Kong. She emigrated from Hong Kong when she was a child. But she told me that there's apparently this thing in the charter. So Hong Kong became part of China from the UK recently in like 97 or so. And there was something in the agreement that said that they could have democratic rule in Hong Kong for 100 years, which is just an absurd timeline to put on it. And I think we're at 70 years of democracy in terms of whatever they were talking about, Mm -hmm. whatever starting point they were using. So it's a bizarre, pseudo-autonomous, tenuous place that they're in. A general manager uh, at the NBA, I think, of Mm -hmm. the Rockets, but I'll double-check that. Uh, It was Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. uh, He tweeted in support of Hong Kong, and then the NBA apologized in a pathetic Mm. and and spineless way uh, because they didn't want to offend China or any uh, of their Chinese sponsors. Basically, their bottom line was was being put in danger, so they apologized. And... It was gross. It's pathetic. Pretty gross. China is an authoritarian state that imprisons hundreds of thousands of Muslims and is trying to oppress free speech and democracy in Hong Kong and reportedly harvests organs from political detainees. If any Man, large is, state should be criticized, it's China. That is how we get the body world's exhibit, Brooke. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? But yeah, no, we should talk about the Uyghurs at some point also. Yeah. And the, we will. This is, we're going to do yeah. probably a, a two-part, a uh, couple of episodes on China For some and reason, Kong. U.S. news outlets started talking about the Uyghurs this week across the board, which is bizarre because that's been an issue virtually since I've been alive and conscious of politics. So yeah. Well, it's been like the last 15 few years. months. I think, that more, I think more information has been coming out about it. I remember asking a congressperson about it at this like little ask your 
local something. Which, of course, something. you went to. <laughs> of course, Baby McKenzie, like, just, like, runs out there. Walk up to the microphone and ask Ma'am. them. And I asked about their their policy, their lax policy on, on Uyghurs and China. But that was in, like, 2007. So this has been an issue forever. But to bring it back to I am Khashoggi and the, <laughs> and the situation with MBS, um, I, it just strikes me that there is no group that is as sensitive as authoritarian. That is states. really accurate across the because board. Because to control, to to maintain their power and to control populations, they have to strike down with an iron fist wherever there's dissent. Or I think there's and a they self-esteem also, thing. They I do. Think they also think. Mad. I mean, look at Kim Jong Un. Look mm-hmm. at you know Putin. Stop. They Isn't are they are so used to unquestioned rule that they flinch at the slightest provocation or insult yeah. or not even provocation. And I think chicken and the egg too because they probably cultivated that because of their thin skin or you know being raised in an environment that allowed yeah. them to get away with it. But they everything. thought that they were mini gods, yeah. Yeah, as you know what they're the real snowflakes. That's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Melt the bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we talked a little bit last week about impeachment, and yeah, that just, that's just a, you know... It's a steady... It's a ball that keeps on rolling. It's moving at a clip. It's, it's moving pretty quickly, I'd say, in terms of how these things can go, and we'll probably get into, as time goes, the complications about, like, disobeying subpoenas and how that might force the issue to the courts which tends to be a slower moving apparatus obviously you can file these things with um essentially a rush order and the supreme court has in the past been receptive to things that are like hey this has to do with the presidency and Mm. we need a fast answer on this so this past week a second whistleblower came forward corroborating information in the original complaint not that they really needed to because Trump, Trump himself did. Trump asked Ukraine and China to investigate Biden on TV. Oh yeah, or suggest he's like, if I were in their shoes, I would do it. Which, uh, which how which, else do you take that? How else? And especially in light of the fact that Russia interfered in 2016 and were nothing but rewarded for it. So if you're an authoritarian regime or somebody looking for influence, oh geez, boy, how are we supposed to read that? Yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> Which is so funny because Republicans are still saying that Trump has done nothing wrong. And meanwhile, he's on TV. And this is this just goes back to the fact that if you walk out in a limb for Trump, he will saw it off behind you. Oh, Rick Perry. He took him down. Who I, Honestly, I forgot Rick Perry was in the administration. But he, yeah, I, Energy Secretary. He, EPO, I do okay. find it ironic that one of the arguments that the, the um, Hunter Biden dealings with the Ukraine was uh, corrupt was that they said that he had no experience in energy. <laughs> and meanwhile, the guy, the fall huh. guy for this whole thing is Rick Perry, who was energy secretary well, and has no consistent. experience in energy. <laughs> was he the one who said that women's bodies have a way of shutting that down? No, that was a much older, much paler Republican man. But it was something, it was, the first time I heard of Rick Perry was something like that. Nah, Rick Perry's just kind of a Because I remember th- it, donut. Was, it was a pre-2016 thing. So... Yeah, that's what's going on with the patient right now. Yeah, just like before we get too far off of this topic, which are we ever going to? Probably not. Um, it's gonna be a weekly segment. Yeah, what did you call it? I liked what you called it in your email, like impeachment corner. Impeachment corner with Mackenzie yeah. and Brooke, um, and Rick Perry. Oh, gross! Now he's. We have. I hope bid farewell to him for the last. We need time. to start coming up with like little theme songs for all of our segments, like. Do, 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 impeachment corner every yeah. time we open. <laughs> <laughs> um, get a kazoo, maybe we'll get a kazoo in here we next can invest time. Invest in a kazoo. I think that does take investment. That's a so that's, that's a, a pricey dollar. Yeah, kazoo. If you want a good one, but so we're already seeing some Republicans, both within the administration and in the House and Senate, threatening or actively suggesting that they're not going to comply with certain procedural things, which. I think this is the closest that we're approaching to a constitutional crisis, which has been thrown around a lot. But if this... Honestly, it's it's lost all me at this point because right. I've heard constitutional crisis since Donald Trump became president. And I'd argue that a lot of these things are because how do we handle the emoluments clause next time somebody yeah. violates it? We, uh, we just kind of blew right past it this time. I just so, think it's a boy who cried wolf situation where you... I understand it that, is like, tricky. there's a lot of 
there have been a lot of things where that have been unprecedented, but you can't just shout constitutional crisis every time something happens because it does and lose yet, power what else over, do over time. And do so maybe call it like a, a constitutional shakeup conundrum. <laughs> I don't know. It feels kind of apologist. This, but this one really, if if we don't abide by impeachment policies to remove the executive when they get this brazen. What do we do? No, I, I think what that do we do? I think that we are at the point where it makes where impeachment makes sense, or at least an impeachment inquiry makes sense. Yeah. What? So we'll get maybe into it more later about executive privilege because that's been asserted a lot and the bounds of that, which are pretty amorphous, but really only exist for evidentiary purposes and to further national security, not to protect daddy. But there's also the substantive aspect that we really should address, which is why is this bad though Mm. so before we move on let's just hit why is it bad so there are a couple reasons why it's bad to ask a foreign government to collude with you against your political rivals so first i mean let's not pretend it it seems like it should be inherent but but i mean there is a fine line between it should be obvious you know if we investigate somebody who happens to be of a, a differing party and it crosses borders how do we do that when it's okay and how is it bad this time so first of all let's think about how the timing is not an accident this is not something that he picked up the mantle while he was campaigning it wasn't something that he discussed in the first two and a half years of his presidency it came up after Mueller testified and it came up in a very private and not national security based context he didn't go to the doj he didn't go to the state department he called his personal lawyer and the president of a country who was very indebted to us at that time specifically and tried to bury the phone call. So that's not how we handle corruption. It's also legitimate. At a time when Biden is his main rival. Yes, it was right at, Biden was at his height of polling. It was with the election impending. And it was right after he was pseudo exonerated in terms of public opinion for anything that went on with Russia. So Then you got the objective non-Biden, non-this situation related factors. Like, what is the expectation of other foreign governments in future interactions with this guy? They're Mm -hmm. going to implicitly think that this is what you do to get ahead, and they know what to do to do that, just like you were saying with China. You offer favors, you get favors. What do you think they're going to do? Yeah. Also, just the treatment of political rivals in the political process, that you, if you have power by being the incumbent or by By having all these... use it. Yeah, that you use it to undermine democracy essentially because it's not the people's choice anymore it's you pulling strings behind the scenes there's also like an implicit devaluing of your own country that comes with that because you're not listening to your own congress to your own agencies things like that well not only are you not listening to them but you are not following their decrees and you're not allowing them to be the gatekeepers as they should be exactly in and so going off of that you're actively going against in the Ukraine situation, what they recommended was good for national security, which is helping this country fight against Russia um, by giving them military aid. And in the China context, it's tied to a trade deal with them. So we're actively hurting our economy potentially, because if this is a predicate to a trade deal, that's subverting economic interests. In a situation where you're giving China more chips to play exactly incredibly irresponsible and maybe holding back on what could otherwise be grounds for yeah. a deal that would help the american people because you are more and concerned with your personal it's for your own yeah it's yeah. for your own that gain this is it's the not priority the gain of the american people no. and also okay, we just talked about the fact that china is a totalitarian authoritarian yeah. regime that so we'll tramples all over human rights as long as they help me personally and trump talks a big game whenever he's talking about trade, but he'll just ask them to help with when it's his political rival. What if you just do this? Yeah. It's it's nasty and, you know, there's and that. And again, if if we really want to look into Hunter Biden's, you know, dealings with Ukraine and this this natural gas company that he was a part of where he was making up to $50,000 a month, it it does look shady. There are ways to do that where we're not Which, you know, again, ushering in other nations and right. asking them for help behind or, closed doors or with our saying, personal you know you you scratch my back i'll scratch yours. and right before the election i mean i think if we were to compare this to the the trump organization just where our emoluments conversation started for example was oh well 
all he did was turn it over to his sons to interact with mm-hmm. foreign governments. So it's like that's already a predicate to any conversation about right. Trump. If Trump, so if Trump wants to call out Hunter Biden for corruption, it opens his own children up for investigation Much, as well, or at least yeah. criticism. I would, yeah. So last thing I'll say is that in my home state of Arizona, they did a poll this week, and 49% of voters, and that's across party lines, are in favor of impeachment at this point. And for a purple state that went very close to going for Hillary last election, I think that bodes really well, and I'm really proud of us. So go Arizona. And nationwide, I think the last the last poll I checked was I, th- I think I mentioned it on the previous episode, but I think thirty seven percent in support of impeachment, which is, pretty which is eight, this is a Quinnipiac poll, eight points higher than the previous, uh, right after the Mueller report was released. So people are beginning to see that maybe this is weirdly the final straw, I guess. Yeah, which is it's just a, it's just a weird Why? issue. Arbitrary have a problem with I, I, after everything right, that's happened. Let's do it. I, uh, the fact that this sure. is the thing that you know bends the scales or you know tips the scales it's is worthy, really funny. But I don't get it. You know what? It's fine. I, I haven't gotten anything. One in positive so long. that we can. I don't understand what's going on, Mackenzie. I don't know, <laughs> Brooke. I don't know. I think I think we might all die like this. Um, one person <laughs> who is holding it down and banging 24-year-old Marines that we do want to give a shout-out to this week is Liz Warren. Oh, my. The cougar of our hearts. Elizabeth Warren? Cougar, question mark? So, (laughs) this last week, uh, Liz Warren had a multi-decade affair, probably. Uh, Well, so says the the smear campaign against her. So, Jacob Bull... Absolutely. Noted right-wing grifter and professional donut, and Jack mm. Berkman, who is literally only known for being a worse Jacob Wool. I didn't even know who this guy was. You don't need to know who either. Of them okay, are. Good. unless like it, it's it's. Jacob I Wall love has less lip than I do, which is saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he held Boom, a press baby. conference in front of Berkman's garage, which is their go-to place for holding press conferences. Mom, get out of the shot, Mom. I told you that the reporters were going to be here today. Shut up. Uh, they held a press conference where they accused Elizabeth Warren of carrying out a BDSM-heavy affair with a 25-year-old Marine who was a tattoo from the Vin Diesel classic Triple X. Listen, accused <laughs> is a heavy word for the substance of what that is. There was also, so on the steps near the garage, there was a giant poster that had, that had Liz Warren's face on it, and it said, Elizabeth Warren, cougar, question mark? And I just, I love the fact that in 2019, the 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 smear campaign that they levied against Ugh. her was Elizabeth Warren. Does she bang? Like does she like, bang a young hot guy? So Wool is kind of a, a funny character on the right. He's a, a, a grifter who I believe could only exist in 2019. Mm. Uh, Wool has been deplatformed from Twitter because he publicly admitted in a USA Today profile that he planned to create fake Twitter accounts, which is against Twitter terms of service. Uh, Twitter found that out and deplatformed him. He has not been accepted back. And that was his main way mm. to get out information and connect with people who actually believed him. I don't know if those people still exist at this point. Uh, my favorite Jacob Bull story is that last year he tried to take down special counsel Robert Mueller with fake sexual assault allegations. And the reason we know they're fake is because a woman kept calling reporters and saying she'd been offered money to falsely claim that <laughs> Mueller had harassed her. The only way we knew about the allegations was well, because somebody... because someone was like, hey. someone keeps offering me money to falsely claim that Robert Mueller sexually harassed Yeah, so can one of us me? break this Marine or what? The, I, it already came out that he said, so he showed off this scar on his back and he's like, yeah, we we were in the throes of, of BDSM lovemaking and, and she gave me this scar. And then somebody dredged up almost immediately a photo from his Instagram that's like, I was it putting was a up chain, a swing. But actually... So he claims that it's a different mark on the other side. If you look, there's like one on the left and one on the right. Oh, jeez! But it, they're they're using this as proof, and it just doesn't it doesn't look anything. It's like a mark on his back. And you know what? As Kate McKinnon, as Liz Warren said on SNL this week, any man who is even slightly younger than her is my grandson. <laughs> So that just couldn't happen. The reason that Jacob Wool got caught last time, on top of the fact that idiocy. reporters were being idiocy. called about these sexual assault allegations, was that he 
Uh, in order to orchestrate the hoax, he created a company called Surefire Intelligence <laughs> and went under the name Matthew Cohen. And when the press found out about it, he denied any knowledge of the company. So shout out to Michael Cohen. Which I have no idea. Uh, the denial would have worked, except the contact number for Surefire Intelligence was Jacob's Jacob Wool's mom's number. Oh, I was joking. It, Stop. It went to her voicemail, and that's how people found like made that direct this connection. Is Mama Wool. Uh, so anyway, so Wonderkin. all we're saying is that um, is Elizabeth Warren a cougar? We don't know. Did she bang? Do the- I give a shit? <laughs> Do no. we? No. Ch- you know what? I only say, in the positive. Uh, if you can't trust 25 year olds with Vin Diesel tattoos, uh, 24, who can you trust? 24. He was 24 at the time of the affair. He's 25 now. Oh, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, speaking of big boys, Bernie Sanders had a heart attack last week. Um. That was what tr- kind of transition was that? It is. Uh, we gotta be moving. We gotta be moving I'm tra- and shaking. I'm doing. I'm uh, doing this for you, Brooke. <laughs> so Damn it! Uh, Bernie okay. Sanders had a heart attack last week, as Mackenzie uh, so tactfully, so tactfully put it. Uh, and obviously, we wish him the best. We hope uh, he recovers like, yeah. quickly and well. Um, that's a that's a very big traumatic uh experience to go through and we wish him all the best yeah um, it sounds like he got some stents put in which are miracle workers super easy yeah. surgery for what it's worth yeah. um and has changed a lot of lives so it sounds like he's yeah. back at it my friend uh chris witchy is actually on the road with him and he's on instagram at film the burn film the burn e-r-n so Not you can URN as you would expect yeah E-R-N, yeah so. see crazy twist so you can keep up with bernie he's been posting some nice little stills of him so the but, question uh, the question that has been you know the question that's been arising because of this is uh, should the room. bernie sanders drop out yeah you think so i i do i'm not a kick him when he's down kind of gal yeah you know so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna I actually, speak to this i actually don't I don't know. Think of this. If, if it had happened closer to the primaries, I would have said yes. It's, or if there were a long-term problem. I, I don't yeah. know that we have any indication. And like I said, stents really are a lifesaver because they avoid open-heart surgery. Yeah. So uh, this could be a one-off. It could be anecdotal. And frankly, if we look at who we have health-wise as commander-in-chief at the moment, I think we can all safely say that... Uh, Health is something that is not a top priority for who can hold the office. I looked it up, and uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, Lyndon B. Johnson, and as we know, pride and joy of Wyoming, Vice President Dick Cheney, continued He's, in their roles after they suffered heart attacks. I think that Dick Cheney had five heart attacks. Dick Cheney's is basically, a cyborg at this point. It's basically like nature being like, bro, you're not supposed to be here anymore. I mean, mentally, he never had the human piece, but... Now, his cardiac function is also fully automated. So that's great. He's from Casper. Do you know what else Casper is home to? Ghosts. Wyoming's only two escalators. That's right. Oh, hell yeah. Two. That's, we got two of them in the state. Brooke, that's big time. They're both in Casper. That is big time. And you can thank yeah. old Dick for that. I have no idea. He will bury <laughs> each and every one of us. He's going to be standing atop the pile of skulls at the end of the earth after his... Licking his chops. 25th yes. heart transplant. Oh Lord. So, okay. So uh, anyway, we, yeah. Oh, we like we I do. said, we wish we wish Bernie Sanders the best. I yes, personally do. don't think he needs to drop out at this point. It's, I don't either. It's so far out from the primaries. Uh, uh, he was he was forthright about it. He told everyone after three days, which I totally get why you you need to take I, those three days to recover a little bit. It is worth noting the double standard when you think of people. You know, when Hillary Clinton got the flu last year. Mm. Or not last year. On oh, September 11th. Good, good grief. Three yeah. years ago? Four oh, years ago? Oh, Lord. Jesus Christ. Don't even say that. that. But I, I think... A that lifetime ago. Four, it, four score and 20 We would years. be remiss not to mention the gender double standard, which is nobody's fault. But like I've had criticisms of Bernie in the past, it is not his fault, but it's his responsibility to acknowledge it. And not at this point, but I think in a general sense, uh, that would be a nice thing to hear a little more from him on. Anyways. Because she fainted and... Oh, yeah, she fainted and everybody yeah. was like, ooh, grandma. Yeah, I mean... Who's gonna die today? It, yeah, honestly, it was just a re- it was really bad timing, and I feel bad for... And yet, one could argue reacting. the same of this, right? Yeah. But, yeah. anyway. Right. So, this week, President Trump today, uh, announced... Today, and we're recording on 
the 7th? It is the 7th of October. Yes, indeed. It is the 7th of October. And President Trump announced that he was going to pull U.S. troops out of Syria, specifically an area where the Kurdish forces are stationed right now and are trying to keep back. They basically took the area over from IS. The Islamic State. Yeah, Yeah, Islamic State. And now we're very suddenly pulling out of the area against uh, all recommendations uh, yeah this is one of those things where i mean even pat robertson was upset about this one he said that lindsey graham was upset about it good grief i mean yeah to get that like gum on trump's shoe so i can't believe that he got riled about this but you know what's funny if you really want to get the neocons riled man just announce that we're pulling out of anything yeah but i wouldn't have known that uh, you know supporting a stateless ethnic minority <laughs> was was a hill that they would die on the anyways Kurds except are badass the, though the, oh yeah and i think that that's the biggest um uniting force at yeah. this point because the kurds have they're nomadic died for yeah. us in the fight against isis and they have done a lot of the boots on the groundwork yeah. which it has saved us countless lives and money and i'm sure tangentially even more money and lives and effort and all that good stuff in terms of infrastructural change in the region. Um, They're stateless. They are an ethnic group that lives in kind of this triangle that covers a a bit of Syria, and that's what's mostly at issue right now. And they're not grouped together. They they live in several different areas throughout this triangle. They're not like, it's not like there's one group of people. Oh, yeah, because they've been very cleansed. Um, Turkey really does not like them. so in terms of it's possible that we're leaving them exposed to a genocide that's the problem is that turkey wants to wipe them out turkey wants to wipe them out and certainly will be open to do so if we're not giving military aid to the kurds anymore in exchange for them saving our asses and they also happen to be um kind of in proprietary control over a lot of isis prisons right now and they will not be able to hold down those forts if Mm -hmm. you will without assistance to you know, save themselves. Yeah. So even if you don't care about the people, <laughs> um, basically by by pulling U.S. troops out, it'll allow the Turkish military to make a move against the Kurdish-led militia yeah. alliance, uh, and which will divert the, their attention. The U.S. has relied on this militia in the past, and so not only are we exposing our allies, but we're exposing a group that has uh, fought for us in extremely uh dire circumstances and you know the the kurds are engaged in that fight right now the kurds are a group of people that you know they have women in the military they're they have a they have a pretty um egalitarian view on gender roles and that's something that's pretty rare in a lot of those areas turkey's imprisoned a lot of kurds uh one woman that i actually lobbied for who was a journalist and writer who was imprisoned for feminist writings and they called her a terrorist with no evidence she was released actually in may so uh, her name's Ayesha Burktai. But Turkey under Erdogan has been really authoritarian in general. So speaking of our, you know, grand hall of egalitarian yeah. This has been a bad, this leaders. has been a really good week for authoritarian regimes and a really bad week for dissidents. And yeah. That sucks. So before we move off of Kurds, let's just hit all the authoritarian leaders and regimes who this benefits. Um, with the non-beneficiaries being the Kurds and arguably us and our allies. So it benefits Turkey under Erdogan. It benefits Syria and Assad. It benefits Putin and Russia because they benefit Syria and Assad. And Iran as well. And Iran. And ISIS. So So all the people that we love. All right. A-plus Trump, you distracted well from your and, own and today nonsense. in a tweet he said something along the lines of um hang on let me bring it up because it's a hell of a thing uh it's the, the most bad shit tweet i've ever seen from him in that same that's something. careful brooke i mean no let me read it you, to you you Hold can't on. just go around saying that he's making new ones all the time did you did you see this tweet i don't know hold on i don't follow him because i refuse so today Trump tweeted, as I have stated strongly before, and just to reiterate, if Turkey does anything that I, in my great and unmatched wisdom, consider to be off limits, I will totally destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey, in parentheses, I've done before. They must, with Europe and others, 
watch over the captured ISIS fighters and families. The U.S. has done far more than anyone could have ever expected, including the capture of 100% of the ISIS element. It's is time now for others in the region, some of great wealth, to protect their own territory. The USA is great. God, you can tell he thinks he's so charismatic and well-spoken. He literally said... If Turkey does anything that I, in my great and unmatched wisdom, consider to be off limits, I will totally destroy nothing. and obliterate the economy of Turkey I've done before. You None of that on, makes any sense. He shat on his own dear little Rick Perry this week. So I I trust that 0%. Well, also, part of me is like, wh- how are You're evangelicals not a responding to this? In my great and unmatched wisdom, he's talking about himself like he's God. You know, as long as he shares the hatreds, I feel like it's fine. And he's still got Pence quietly in his corner. Well, which Pence is just waiting for him to get impeached and is like praying the Senate can take over. But he was on the call too, or he was at least there and aware of it. His white helmet hair just protecting <sighs> his thoughts so that no weird one can little read elf him. knows. Hang on, give me a second. All right, making me hate my Irish blood. Um, <laughs> but so, like, number one, you're not a dictator, Buster. You're trying, um, but you're not. Give him, give him a year. Uh, Second of all, like, that's like opening up the cookie jar, tipping it over in front of your jackass little kid and being like, if you take a cookie now, I'm going to cover it up even more. What? Okay, just leave it on the counter, asshole. Yeah, I feel like also I have no idea what it, what he thinks he's talking about with destroying Turkey's economy. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's a reference to nothing. It makes no sense. Also, and he just tweeted out, and we were like, I have no what? purpose for doing this in the first place except to benefit a bunch of He is making no psychopaths. sense. Anyway, if we so, if we spent every episode breaking down Trump tweets, we'd go crazy. Yeah, I so know. Let's, let's move on. Flatter him anyway, with more time. This I Personally, I am pro-Kurd, pro-Hong Kong. Always, Me too. Always, always up will, for the underdogs in this in this in these two situations. Maybe and frankly, always, the, the moral authority of the they two. They are, absolutely. The fact that we're... Okay, so even if you are anti-interventionist, like, this is... If you, I get if, we pick and choose our battles, but we also pick and choose when to pull out of them, and now that we're in it... You can't just leave a vacuum. You can't go in and, when they're relying on you, people who have, yes. who have fought and died for you, a really like, brave that's, group well, of people who have fought and died for you, and just leave a vacuum and say, die. Bye. Because it also screws over European allies if we lose control of those ISIS uh, yeah. areas where they've been defeated, and the prisons where a lot of the criminals are being held, then we're actively endangering our European allies, which, again, if we don't care about the Kurds, let's be reasonable. But we also have, care about the Kurds. Care about the Kurds, number one. The Kurds are good. All right. But even assholes can understand this. Jesus Christ. And actually, I, I would like to maybe talk a little bit more about the history of the Kurds in, in a future episode, just to have, yeah. help people understand like exactly their uh, their role in maybe that area. Maybe as this mire deepens, as I'm sure it will. <laughs> it always does. All right. So I just want to move on. I think we are now at the time to talk about the main issue. The boom boom in Maine. So I found this story because Press Herald, which is a, a Maine publication, uh, Megan Gray, who's a journalist there, wrote a story about this. And so props to her. Some of what I'm reading will be straight out of the story. Just check her story out there and check out her other writings. This, I, I recently found out that Maine has this strange gun law that a lot of states share. And the ramifications of that have been the deaths of three women. Um, so eh, the first who cares, one is right. <laughs> I mean, really, I guess no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. We I, laugh so you know, we don't you cry. Know what? We care, and that's why we're going to talk. That's yeah. also one of the reasons I want to talk Give about on the platform. podcast. Is this is a these stories are extremely sad, and I think that there's something e- an easy way to fix it. Yeah, and we'll start by saying that Maine is one of those places like New Hampshire where it's a it's a bizarre balance, and not bizarre inherently. Maine is great. It's beautiful. New Hampshire is great. But there's a, a balance between the kind of live free or die mentality yeah. of what tends to be a very libertarian, very conservative mm-hmm. outlook, but also liberal social politics. So there, there are liberal for being northeast. Yeah. And someone, when I was tweeting about the story, someone... <laughs> replied to me and said when are people going to realize that maine is alabama with snow <laughs> that's going to be kind of a yeah. lot of big states yeah in, in new york if you if you drive north, areas yeah in new york you see confederate flags and ethan says the same of oregon he went to school in oregon and outside the metropolitan areas it's pretty red yeah. which is strange uh, anyways so, so that's the setting that we start in 
On November 15, 1985, Karen Wood, a 37-year-old mother of twin baby girls, was shot in the chest just 130 feet from her house as she was hanging laundry. Uh, she had just moved to Bangor, Maine in July of that year with her husband, who was a child psychologist. Outsiders. Don Rogerson, who was a 45-year-old produce manager at a local supermarket, was hunting on the Woods' property without their knowledge and thought he saw the white of a deer. He took a shot, and he thought he saw another flash of white and took another shot again. Woods at the time was wearing white gloves and a blue jacket. A first grand jury refused to indict Rogerson, but a second grand jury handed a manslaughter charge. Manslaughter. A jury <laughs> finally acquitted him, acquitted, <clears throat> after a trial in 1990. Many people saw this as an unfortunate accident, but didn't hold Rogerson accountable. Some locals even blamed Woods for being shot hmm. because she was wearing white mittens. The and nerve. the locals implied that if she had been a local from Maine instead of someone who had moved there that year, she would have known not to wear white mittens outside during hunting season. And in the, On and her own property. On her home. own property, 130 feet from her house. In her yard, yeah. In that case, Rogerson, after he saw he shot Wood in the chest, yelled... Why does God allow this to happen? You you did it. You did it, buddy. You you're pin this one on God, bro. Like this is you're not. on her property and you shot her multiple times. Also, like get glasses, psycho. She was wearing a blue jacket. How do you think that's a? I, you see white and you think that's. A... <sighs> uh, the second uh, incident was in December 2006. Megan Ripley, an 18-year-old who lived in Paris, Maine, was walking with her younger brother near the woods behind their farmhouse, again on private property when she was shot and killed by hunter Timothy Bean. He also told investigators he believed he was firing at a deer. Megan Ripley was bilingual because she had spent some of her childhood in Germany. She was a Patriots fan who had become engaged to her boyfriend, and the family was planning to announce her engagement on January 1st, which was her father's birthday, so less than a month after she was killed. Outsider. The man who shot her, Timothy Bean, was charged with manslaughter and pleaded guilty in 2007. A judge sentenced him to two years in prison, but Bean was only ordered to serve 30 days because the rest of his sentence was suspended. Uh, the final incident in Maine was in October 2017. Karen Retzel had just moved back to Maine to take care of her grandmother. She was known for her fierce love of the outdoors and lived in a tent on her land and had a chicken coop. The 34-year-old woman was digging for gemstones on her land when she was shot and killed by uh, Robert Trudy. He, too, told investigators he thought he saw the rear end of a deer before he fired. Trudy was charged with manslaughter and failure to render aid in a hunting accident. He pleaded oh. guilty to manslaughter in September of this year. So he left? That's nice. I don't think he called the police or he didn't go help her. Yeah, he didn't go help her quickly enough Insult for her to, injury. to survive. The prosecutor dropped the other charge as part of a plea agreement. A judge sentenced him to seven years in prison with all but nine months suspended. All of these deaths happened on private property of the victims, and in every case, they didn't even know these men were on their property. Because in Maine and many other states, it's legal for people to hunt on your property without your permission, unless you have signs letting them know that it's private and they have to ask. The I've presumption read. is that you can be on somebody's private property shooting Hunting. at things that you think are deer, even if they look like human bodies. Unless their private property has proper signage. Looking and at the you statute, almost always have plausible deniability because you can say, I thought it was a deer. Yeah, right. Which, uh, looking into this, it sounds like that was actually... That was their recent modification. I think it was after the first two deaths that, uh, okay, well, because this has resulted in a couple deaths, now we're going to modify the interpretation that if you shoot something, you have to think it's a deer first. But you have to actively, work. so no trying to shoot things that you don't think are you deer anymore. You have to see anymore. the head and the chest of the deer before Which obviously you worked for the person who was shot in the rump. 2000, yeah, 17. Which yeah. I, I'm going to argue, not to get too base, I don't think human rumps look like deer rumps. I don't get it. I would hope you wouldn't think that because that seems like a big difference. I, if you couldn't tell the difference between human butts and the ends of deer, I would yeah. be concerned. You but. at least should get every hunting license, driver's license, etc. taken away because you clearly cannot see properly. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of the reason I'm bringing this at up. At the very least. Is not just because the most recent death in Maine was very recent. It was in 2017, and, and it was this decided is still this an month. open door. <clears throat> Absolutely, but a lot of states have laws like this. In 22 states, posting is not required, which means it's illegal for hunters to trespass on private property without the landowner's permission, even if the land is not posted. So, 22 states have that provision, that protection for private land. Actively, that leaves open a lot of other interpretations well, of law. For what it's worth, that's also the common law presumption. Common law versus statutory law, two different bodies of law. 
So common law presumption is that if it is not marked and it's private land, you can still be trespassing. So the 22 states have it on the books. There are still more that have that presumption anyway. Yes. So I looked up the states that have states where posting is required and there are rules about how you have to post, meaning. Which was really weird in the main case. States like Maine. Yeah, it was like every 200 feet or something. Do a blue stripe in paint or so. Very Very specific and it lends itself to more accidents like this because it's really really difficult to follow these exactly, especially if you have a lot of land. States that where posting is required and they have have those specific laws are Alaska, Arizona, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Vermont. In New York, where Mackenzie and I live, a person may enter and remain upon unimproved and apparently unused land, which is neither fenced nor otherwise enclosed in a manner designed to exclude intruders unless notice against trespass is personally communicated by the owner. So basically, <clears throat> a lot of these hunting laws kind of coexist with trespass laws. That's kind of yeah. how the lens through which they're viewed. The body of law. Because otherwise, if you go on somebody's land without authorization... Regardless of what you do on there, the broadest coverage is trespass. It's tort. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, tort property. But there, there are other states like Maine where posting is required and there aren't as many specifications as to how you're supposed to do that. They have these laws that sometimes it's every 200 feet. Sometimes it's at every point of entry. You're supposed to have everything fenced off. And then at every point of entry, you're supposed to have a, this is private property, don't come on. And that is supposed to keep out hunters. But in Maine, they can go on your private property and hunt and they don't have to ask you permission, which caused the deaths of these three women. They didn't know that there were hunters on their property. How are they supposed to know that they weren't supposed to wear white gloves and were supposed to wear orange if they didn't even know the people were there? And it's their own. I think it's really telling that all the deaths happened when somebody was near their own home, too. It's not like these were plots of land that were secondary. I own this plot of real property that's undeveloped, but I happen to live elsewhere which is a distinction that could be really key. If there is a residential home, if somebody's domicile is on the same property, the same rules should not apply versus I have an undeveloped commercial lot elsewhere that's titled in my name or something. Well, I think that... Karen Rensel kind of falls under that because mm-hmm. she was she had built a chicken coop and she, she was kind of living in the wild. But at the same time, that was right. it was her but it's private still where property. She's living yeah. at that time, and you get into if you were to draft something, you'd get into what is a domicile and it's where somebody resides mm-hmm. with an intent to stay. And you could say that of a tent if somebody is on their own property and they're using it for residential purposes and that's where they intend to stay right now. Yeah, I don't know that the same rules should apply when that is their primary in residential certain situations, property. like especially in the Karen Wood case. Because she had just moved there, and uh, Don Rogerson was, a, I think, a fourth-generation resident of the city, and so people saw it as a, a local versus outsider thing where, again, if she had known what we do here, if she'd known our culture, she would never have been outside wearing white mittens 130 feet from her house. Like, things like that, and, and that's kind of how... imagine is true. The re- <laughs> and that's how the rhetoric formed around this issue. It's, it's you know, we have our traditions here, and these outsiders want to change them. And that makes and it really difficult to... accept that they die. Yeah, it makes it difficult to work around these laws. And there are, uh, I think uh, Megan Ripley's father was saying, you know, if we even just had a law where you had to ask permission to go on someone's private property, this could have been avoided. It's that easy. It's not that you don't have to hunt. It's not that, you know, your guns are taken away. Right. It's if you just put this protection. And one of the reasons I'm bringing this up now also is that we're either in the middle or the beginning of hunting season in a lot of states. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it begins in August. A lot of uh, hunting seasons in different states begin in October and go through November, December, January. And Certainly Arizona, where apparently this is also uh, free for all. Yeah, where they also have the post laws where you have to have clear signage and in all three of these cases if women had known someone was going to be on their property their deaths could have been avoided and if you hunt even if you live in a place where you can legally go on someone's property without their permission remember that you should do some research find out whose property you're on ask their permission before you go on you could save you could save a life yeah see if it's residential there could be kids playing in the woods you don't know about there could be people hanging laundry you don't know so just check before you go and also if you if you live in a rural area where these laws apply try to figure out what signage to put up but also talk to your talk to your local representatives about changing those laws absolutely so so you're not put in danger and if you're hunting please make sure that you can see you know driver's license tests should apply and wear your glasses i i don't know 
if you get shot by some half blind doofus who can't who tell the difference between a woman a in a blue jacket a and, a, a, and a deer, you should not hunt if you fire that quickly and that instinctively at the first at sign a color. of anything. A blue jacket. Like, Carrie Moore was wearing a blue jacket right. and she left behind two infant twins and a oh, husband. But they were girls, though. <laughs> Who cares about them? Um, it's like, the problem is, it seems like in some of these communities, if you get killed by somebody who's just... Had it coming. Just being stupid and, and, you're and not a violating man. so many hunter safety laws. If you're violating Absolutely. so many hunter safety rules, if you get shot by them, the community could just shrug and say, well, that's that's, that's too fun. bad. They could just completely side with the hunter. So just, I, I am, you know, my family hunts. I, We're there from are so many wi- safe ways to do this. You can safely hunt. Just if you are a hunter, just... Try to feel like if you're going to go on private property Focus on animals and public land, if you can. And that's that's also worth mentioning that the reason that this has come up, knock on wood, this is the main reason, no pun intended. Um, so frequently in Maine is that in Maine, I guess 94 percent of the land is privately owned. So what's a gal to do if she wants to hunt in Maine and wants to go out nearby? A lot of it is privately owned land. And it's so, so easy, though. Figure out whose land that is. Knock <laughs> on their door. Say I would like to hunt on your land this Saturday. Could I come out here and let and them know, get permission? That will allow that kind of interaction with the property owner. And my feeling when I hear about this sort of story is the interplay with these weird ways of thinking that our nation has developed about gun laws and states' rights. Mm-hmm. I, I think this will come up again and again, and it certainly has in the past, that states' rights often is a cloak that's worn by a lot of bigoted and dangerous laws, frankly antiquated laws, to say, well, maybe the whole country's moving on, essentially, mm-hmm. but we don't have to because states' rights and federalism. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there because I think that, well, historically, yes, yeah, states' rights has been used to Up violate until. human rights. And not that I'm saying like, a lot of it women's depends health on the laws issue. Too. Because especially with gun laws, we live in New York City, which has very tight gun laws, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that we do. But at the same time, the gun laws that are appropriate for New York City are not the same gun laws that are appropriate for Cheyenne, Wyoming, where I'm from. Every family has four or five hunting rifles that they keep locked up in a cabinet. It doesn't make the sense to have the same yeah. gun laws for a city, a packed city. Whereas we're looking at the floor. But is there a blanket law that could... I think the blanket law on assault weapons, on bump stocks, on background checks, on sure. quantity of ownership, and those are things that could be universal. I'm not saying every issue is something states' rights doesn't benefit, but I think the extreme positions do benefit from states' rights perspective. And Maine being an example in this case of the extreme perspective, that we get to wear this cloak to be like, no, we have a legitimate purpose. Yeah. And but objectively, New York City needs tighter gun laws than Wyoming. But I do think you're looking at two ends of a spectrum, but to prevent there being a floor, but there has to, people so, yeah. argue states' so rights. So can, you can establish laws that create that floor. But and then that's what, what, what's built on top of that, I think, should in, some, in right. some cases be left up to the state. And that's where federalism certainly exists in every circumstance. And we're not going to rid ourselves of that, nor should we. And it, but the floor is the issue. States always have a right to develop a higher floor, in which case, you know, New York City can do that. Yeah. But the floor is where we see people try to delve below the common bottom line standard. We don't go below this. This is you know what people used in terms of slavery and jim crow gay marriage gay marriage abortion and, and all those situations i agree with you standard Federal acknowledgement always of rights the floor and states always have the right to develop upon that but i don't think we should ever argue states rights to delve below what our national standard should be and these are the issues and i where agree with like, you on that no this is within our purview to be a little bit more dangerous and kill people but also get the protections of the constitution and be part of the uh, it, it's a social compact. Well, in sort places of thing. like in the, in the situations like in Maine, we saw them getting sentences of two or three or more years, and then their sentences would be suspended so that they would actually only be like a couple in months, prison held months, yeah, because of the gloves. Yeah, not that I even see that prison is necessarily always the cure all for these things. I, I think that oftentimes it's not, but I do think that. But in a retributive sense, yeah. If that were my mom. Yeah. Well, and, and that's kind of always the struggle with, especially if you talk about, you know, we don't need to get into abolitionists right now, but like prison abolitionists. Uh, but the, the struggle, no, we shouldn't get into prison abolition right now. It's too big of a conversation. <laughs> Cut it back. I Go think, back. I think that um, would have to be the end game of something that does not start there. 
we have to, it has to be a cultural change first. Yeah. I understand. We have to, but the, I think that with certain things like um, off pointed anyway. No, please. But with things like that where they were given longer sentences and then it was like wink, wink, we're gonna suspend this. I think that that's more about almost like a good old boys club. You know well, what I mean? It's the same thing that you disliked about Ted Kennedy and I do too. The in circles get right. privileges that it's a different treatment. People thing. who are seen as outsiders don't get. And the flip side of that being, and this will bring it full circle to something that is super not inside the circle but i did hear somebody talk about criminal justice in relation to the college admission scandal and saying you can't be pro low sentences when it comes to people who universally criminals well you can't be pro low sentences for lower income people and people of color and then advocate for grossly exaggerated sentences when they're elite you yeah. have to universally say we're not going to use this as no, and the I, deterrent. And I'm almost cutting against what I said because yeah. I think that there's a happy medium. I think that prison has a useful function in our society in terms of retributivism. I would not say that it's ineffective 100% of the time. I wouldn't yeah. even say it's ineffective like 60% of the time. Well, my my personal opinion on it, honestly, is that all nonviolent crime should be handled yes. outside of the prison system. And so nonviolent would be the line. So you can't say that you want Lori Laughlin to get 50 years in prison. Give but you Lori also- Laughlin a boatload of community service. Give yes. it to her. Give her all the community service. Make her pick up trash on the highway. Make her volunteer no a soup suspending kitchens. that sentence. I mm-hmm. am all about that. But there's, the thing is, like, the, the, the problem that I have with our casual system is that, well, it's for profit, first of all, in many ways. You see companies like Victoria's Secret and McDonald's. I mean, it actively labor. is. And they're also private prisons that Absolutely. are their own industry. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's also the fact that we as a society are so comfortable with throwing away people who we are uncomfortable with existing. And it, we don't acknowledge any of our own fault. We don't acknowledge society's faults at all. We just say, you did something that I don't like. We're going to put you in a cage. And I don't even think we don't like it. it. It contributes to that whole mindset of last week you tweeted this thing about like an op-ed by a cop that said, don't disrespect me because I'm like, a cop. 2014, like right after Ferguson. Uh, a, a police officer, I don't even remember his name. I don't care no, enough to look it up. No, please don't credit um, him. He wrote uh, an op-ed that was like, if yeah, it is a death sentence if you disobey me. Well, it was basically the whole point of the op-ed was if you want to prevent dying police brutality if you want to prevent violence within interactions with cops don't disrespect me it's on you to prevent that from happening not you on have the to cop. prevent me from cops doing are stressed out i might just beat you like it was it, my temper is how your it, automatic sentence without due process that was an actual example he used where he was like don't don't call me racist me. don't call you. me racist <laughs> like if, if you really want it to go smoothly just do exactly what we say and that can ply or die mentality is a so authoritarian because they are an arm of the state and they're an arm of the state that we deal with they get on a, a daily basis and they have so much leeway the excuses are made for them all the time and they're seen as like blue collar people so that we don't see them in the same way as a corrupt politician but they have so much more power over so many people's daily lives especially sense. if you are lower income yeah, especially if you're a minority I think that that kind of mindset of well we can excuse violence because they broke this minor law that line blurring between violent and nonviolent, actual threat and threat and threat to the fabric of society and who gets to make those calls, that makes it so easy for us to say, yeah, maybe you should sentence them to X because it's capital W wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that whole, and it's all internet police enforcing these arbitrary standards and then the carceral system enforcing the arbitrary standards. It all plays into police brutality is government abuse of power. And I think that so many libertarians and conservatives that I talk to don't understand that. Police brutality is government abuse of power. It is the government deciding that you don't have a right anymore because you didn't react quickly enough when I said to put your hands behind your head. So I'm going to beat you with a baton. Or or I was looking for a reason to beat you and you happen to, you happen to scratch your waist. And suddenly you're, yeah, you see it so often with people who are charged with resisting arrest and nothing else. So, and you're like, wait, why were they arrested? Oh, we thought we smelled weed in the car. So you thought well, you smelled okay. weed in the car and this person like wiggled too much while you were arresting them and now you're charging them with resisting arrest, which is a which is a black mark on their record. And they're never held accountable for that. And you're because terrified you, for being in the situation and so you're automatically going to be... Because society yeah. at large has a comply or die mentality where if these people push back against this mistreatment at all, they deserve it. 
they deserve and we're not that good abuse. enough about vetting the people who hold that power i mean there are districts that actively look for people who get middle of the road scores on police exams because they want drones and that's yeah. not true it's absolutely not true of every police officer it's not true of every district but there, there are, so are many places. good individual police officers but the system yeah. itself is broken and, and our the system needs teaches to be them to close ranks too when you know you i get the wagons you circle yeah. the wagons whenever right. and whenever there's any cop who's accused and there's some merit to that in certain defense <laughs> I love how we we went from talking about states gun laws to talking about this. I love it. It's been a great conversation. Anyways, we'll talk uh, about this more later. Uh, we're gonna right. go. Yeah, we're we're pushing up against our timeline and here, guys. But. Our closing story for the night, which is long overdue, is the fact that the Pope is. <laughs> considering removing the celibacy requirement from Catholic priests and do you want to tell them your theory Mackenzie oh it's not a theory Brooke <laughs> Brooke I'm speaking truth with power <laughs> that power being the force of the church in Vatican I forget what the Pope's name is now Jesus Christ John Paul no that's the double old that's the <laughs> really old one that's 90s reference oh god what's his name now I can't remember either damn you Pope, Hold on. Kind of cool Francis? Pope who, yeah, Pope Francis, Pope Francis, who right. still hates gays a little bit and definitely women who have abortions. But wants... less so than others. We're, we're inching mm, in the right direction. I don't yeah. Know. I'm not Catholic. We're nudging. I, don't care. I am genetically Catholic, so I'm allowed to. <laughs> You're cultural. Culturally Catholic, personally. Oh, no. oh, I am not culturally Catholic. <laughs> How would I say that? Genetically Catholic? Yeah. So for this. Brooke and I both would like to give a huge thank you to Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Fleabag for, for pretty much everything, but also for, for everything. Making Hot Priest hot happen. Hot Priest. Hot Priest. Go Hot Priest. Future generations will thank her for hot opening up so fuck. many Hot Priests. Just gay in real life. So Andrew Scott? Apparently. I can see it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So All right, we'll kiddos. never attain him. Uh, so you can, uh, you can follow us Follow on us stuff. and all the other you can hot follow priest content. A lot of hot priest content. You can follow me on Instagram at Brooke Angeline. You can follow me on Twitter at BKE Rogers. I've been tweeting a lot about possums. Mm. I'm going to start an army of possums and lead them into the woods. I'm going to play possum on your porch. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me if I'm not busy playing possum at uh, MKZJ Brennan on Instagram and on Twitter. I am get me to number two, a nunnery. Send us DMs. Send us. Go kiss a priest tonight, please, everybody, us, because they want to kiss. Well, maybe ask first. You don't know. Oh yeah, ask first and then kiss them. And we believe in enthusiastic consent from priests on this podcast. Priest consent and then priest kissing. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>